Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Lilly and this is the Witch Shorts Podcast. After the sad passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, we took a break last week. This week, we're back as we bring you weekly episodes narrating the best articles from across Witch, the UK's consumer champion. If you like what you hear, then please do give us a rating and a review, as that will really help other people discover the podcast. Oh, and before I tell you more about this week's episode, don't forget to check out our other podcasts as well. Just search Witch Money and Witch Investigates. Today we're heading to France and exploring the ancient city on Brittany's northwest coast. To read this article, originally written by Rob Crossham, I'll hand you over to Laura Sanders. There's no doubt as to what the burghers of St Malo think of their own piratical legacy. You can see it from the moment the ferry from Portsmouth sails into the city's small harbour on the northern coast of Brittany. Perched high on the hulking grey fortifications stands a bronze statue of French privateer Robert Surkoff. With a sword clasped in his left hand and his right arm pointing across the channel to England, a country he appeared to have very little time for indeed. Travellers today needn't worry about the likes of Surkoff troubling them on a boat journey to France though. In fact, landlubbers like me are far more likely to come a cropper by attempting the Dover-Calais ferry crossing. Emerging from my cabin at 8am, I wander directly from the harbour into the walled city in search of a coffee and croissant. I walk along the top of the walls which, ancient as they might look, were actually rebuilt after the Second World War. St Malo had been very badly damaged in a battle between the Allies and German forces for its control during 1944. As a result, 683 of the 865 buildings in the old town were destroyed. The town's rebuild is impressively authentic and the ramparts make for beautifully aimless wanderings, taking me past vistas of the emerald waters of the Rhan's estuary on one side and speckled with tiny breadcrumbs of rocks and islets and the crumpled cluster of spires, chimneys and slanted rooftops of the old town on the other. It's here that I get a closer look at the statue of Surkoff, a man who, for a long time, epitomised the independent spirit of St Malo. Raiding Dutch, English and Portuguese ships in the Indian Ocean, Surkoff was declared a national hero by Napoleon and seemed, if legend is to be believed, to have had a fine line in sardonic retorts to the captains of the vessels he sacked. One English admiral who fell foul of Surkoff, by this time known as the King of Corsairs, is said to have remarked to his notorious captor that we English fight for honour, you French only fight for money. To which Surkoff replied, we both fight for what we do not have. Not that Surkoff had much honour. 
Attention is now being increasingly paid to his role in the slave trade. Not only did he ship people across the Atlantic, he continued to do so after the trade had been outlawed. And I wonder whether his statue will still be here in a year or two. As I descend the deceptively ancient-looking stone steps to meet my guide Alexandra, the aroma of foam and seaweed is replaced by one of freshly baked baguettes, spices and coffee emanating from the boulangeries and cafes that line the cobbled streets. Busy, but far from overwhelmed with visitors. Have you noticed something different about our flag? Alexandra asks me, pointing upwards to one of many I subsequently spot around the city walls. With a furry white weasel in one corner, the blue, white and red flag is always hoisted higher than the national tree colour. St Malo is the only city in France that's permitted to do this. Its independent spirit runs deep. We in St Malo were an independent republic from 1590 to 94, and even now locals say they're not French, not Breton, but from St Malo, explains Alexandra. The weasel is there because it's an animal that would rather die than be dirty. There's a stubbornness about people here, maybe down to the fact that the English tried to invade us 11 times and never succeeded. Despite the comparatively small number of tourists, St Malo is no secret. Hardly any of the people you see here actually live in the old town, Alexandra says. The population of the walled part of the city has gone from around 40,000 to barely 1,500. It's a little sad, as those who are still here, it seems to me, seem quite against younger people moving into the walled area. For such an outward-looking place, I think some locals have become quite insular. Of course, the hollowing out of ancient centres to make way for private holiday rentals and hotels is hardly unique to St Malo. And thankfully, the decline in residence hasn't turned the town's historic hub into a tourist trap. The Rue de Lorme is testament to that. It's a narrow drag with a gothic-looking covered vegetable and fruit market at one end. The market is home to some immense shelves. The upper ones are only reachable by stepladder. And it's laden with spices that I find inside Bertrand Larcher and endless jars of comfit duck, pâtés and preserves in the window of l'épicerie de Baba a few doors down. All but incapacitated after my hearty lunch, I stagger down to the harbour to catch the ferry across the Rhone's estuary to Dinard. Beloved by English visitors from Winston Churchill to Dame Joan Collins and even Hugh Grant, this resort could scarcely feel more different to St Malo. Its narrow lanes are filled with rough-hewn stonewalled cottages, rickety wooden gates and gardens filled with ivy, heather and monkey puzzle trees. Is this a corner of the Cotswolds I stumbled across? The town, on a Saturday afternoon, is all but deserted. The tabacs are shuttered, the florist is on holiday according to a sign on the shop door, and the only action on Plage de Prairie, one of the town's four main beaches and an expanse of fudge-coloured sand, comes from a scattered congregation of the kind of elderly, genteel sunbathers who prefer back to beach parties. Dinard is perhaps the most English-looking place in France, even more so than Calais. There's even a British film festival held here every autumn, perhaps one of the few times when the residents of the vast Gothic mansions and adjoining cottages are disturbed by much beyond the billous hoot of a seagull or the misfiring engine of a vintage citron. As our ferry chugs back across the softly lapping waters, St Malo's city walls once again emerge, tall, sturdy and aloof, out of the summer haze. 
Within 15 minutes by sea, I've exchanged Dinard's comforting softness for St. Malo's piratical intrigue. But it feels like I've swapped continents rather than kilometres. Brittany Ferries and Condor Ferries sail to St. Malo from Portsmouth and Poole respectively. The Portsmouth route is the better option as it doesn't stop at Jersey en route, has larger ships and also offers sleeping cabins on board. You can sail overnight from Portsmouth, which generally leaves at quarter past eight in the evening and arrives at St. Malo at quarter past eight the following morning. Once in St. Malo Harbour, it's a straightforward 10-minute walk to the old town. The return sailings are usually in the daytime, so you leave at about 10.30 in the morning and arrive in Portsmouth at 6.20 in the evening. A return trip for a foot passenger booking an inside cabin berth costs around £175. For an outdoor cabin berth with a window, the price goes up by about £20. St Malo and Dinard are compact and easy to explore by foot. To get to Dinard, head to the ferry point, which is a five-minute walk from the old town, where boats leave every 10 minutes during the day. The journey takes around 15 minutes, a return ticket is £8.80 and you don't need to book in advance. Thank you to Laura and to Rob Crossum too, whose original work was published in the September issue of the Witch Travel magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice and of course travel as well by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters and you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. Thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. <laughs>